Hi, welcome back to the Kick-Ash Live podcast. It's Ashley. I'm so happy you're here and I'm so excited to share a conversation with you today that I had maybe a month or so ago with two of my dearest friends, Allison Melody and Katie Kremitzos. We recorded via video chat a conversation um, in anticipation of Mental Health Awareness Month, the month of May. We recorded it for Allie's podcast. Hers is the Food Heals podcast. And side note, uh, I know from experience that food really does heal when I have real food. I have mental clarity, and I'm so grateful for that. Allie is often my partner in shenanigans because wherever Allie goes, the fun always follows. And she has the most sincere heart. And Katie is responsible for the Women's Meditation Network of Podcasts, which you will hear more about here. Um, and Allie and I just popped down to Tampa to celebrate Katie reaching 100 million downloads. Yeah, you heard that right. 100 million downloads. It's a huge deal. And what a light Katie is in my life and so many others' lives. Her guided meditations are full of wisdom and compassion. So I cannot wait to introduce you to these two amazing women. I went back and listened to our conversation on Allie's podcast and and called her up and said, hey, can I put this on mine? Because it's just a conversation that meant a lot to me. And even though we, by the time you're listening to this, we're probably at the end of or maybe past Mental Health Awareness Month, it's really a conversation we should be having all the time. I met both of these women about six years ago in Italy. And, you know, more on that trip some other time, but suffice it to say, it was a trip I took on a complete whim and it completely changed my life. And in time, I will have friends from that trip on the podcast, including Allie and Katie, so you can hear their stories, uh, which are incredible and beautiful, but we'll dig into those another day. I will tell you a couple of caveats here. We talk about meditation, obviously, because Katie has 14 meditation podcasts, but meditation is kind of a tricky subject for me. Because that one word, meditation, encompasses a lot of variations. And I would just say, if this isn't something that is in your life, find the one that works for you. It can be a little intimidating when you start to dig into it, or it was for me anyway, at the outset. I mean, of course, there's meditation where the goal is to sit and observe your thoughts and then let them go, which is a gift for so many, but I have not yet found my way in this method. Moving meditation is something that I love that works for me because sitting still is actually kind of detrimental to my well-being as it turns out. And it took a while to get past the shame of that for me because it was such a thing. But I find that in movement, if I take a long walk in silence or in Ashtanga yoga where there's movement in the same sequence every time, I am able to just be in the moment without thinking or as we talk about overthinking. Um, and then there's meditations like Katie's, which are such a gift. She shares words, beautiful observations about life and love on which we can meditate, to which we can relate. 
And Katie really has a way of making you feel like someone is right there walking the journey beside you. So I would encourage you to check that out. We do early on in the conversation have a little chat about motherhood. And really, if you aren't a parent, I really think it's more a conversation about humanhood. I've been a little reluctant to talk much about my kids on this platform, but they ask from time to time, hey, mom, are you going to talk about us? I mean, because they're lights in my life. They're amazing. So kids, if you're listening, I love you. We talk about you here. Okay. At the end, as normal, I will list the takeaways. But if there is one above all, it's nurturing friendships, the kind of friendships where you can say any crazy thing and you may disagree with one another, but your opinions are nonetheless met with love and curiosity. On a separate note, but kind of related, I have another support crew in my life. It is a mastermind group I found through and with this great fella named Mike Kim. And I have, this is so fun, I have an announcement. I have a very limited time opportunity to create in tandem with Mike and his team, a mastermind led by me. I'm so excited about this. What is a mastermind? It is a group of people, business builders from every genre who come together to support one another in the process. Bringing to the table, you know, our own unique experiences and perspectives to help one another work through the challenges of business and life and to learn from one another in the process. If you're interested, if you've been looking for a group like this, DM me or send an email. I would love to talk with you about being part of a group like this. This group has just touched me in ways I can't even describe to you, but we start in just a couple of weeks. So don't wait to reach out. We need one another. All right. Without further ado, here's my chat with Allie and Katie. All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melody. Today, apparently, I have two people in the show who want to change their names. So we've got Katie Hot Stuff and Ash Happy. Welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. So happy to be here. (laughs) All right. She is the CEO and founder of the Women's Meditation Network with 14 podcasts to help you get more calm, better sleep, less anxiety, and more happiness, and is currently on track to reach 100 million downloads, which is a big deal, Food Heals Nation. By May, please welcome Katie Kermitzos back to the show. Allie, hey, I'm so happy to be here. So happy to have you back for Mental Health Awareness Month, which is perfect for what you do. Perfect for what I do. And we've also got a recovering big law attorney who helps wellness and lifestyle entrepreneurs establish solid legal foundations for their business. And she just launched the brand new show. Well, not just launched. Now we're a couple months in, but she's got the Kick Ash Life podcast. Please welcome Ashley Filling Jim back to the show. Welcome, Ash. So happy to be here again. And if you know anything about attorneys, you know, we need a little mental health awareness in our lives, not just a little. Yes. Do you hear Lily (laughs) cheering for you, by the way? Hi, Lily. You get your own walk-on music there, Ashley. (laughs) 
All right. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And did you guys know that actually nearly one in five Americans lives with a mental health condition, according to the National Institutes of Mental Health? And I was just reading that the amount of stress and anxiety that we as a country, as a baseline suffer from back in like the 1900s was considered mentally ill and you would be considered to be put in an insane asylum because we are dealing with more stress and anxiety than ever existed in human history. So I know I have it. I know y'all have it. And I can say that with love because we all need a little bit of mental health help for ourselves. And so because we're all conscious people who are working on our health, we're not saying we have it all figured out, but we do have some stories and advice and um, some relatable things to talk about today. I know for me personally, I completely suffer from this one disease. They call it over thinking. I overthink everything I do. I think it puts me into a lot of spirals of anxiety. I think it also creates a lot of inaction when if I had just made the decision instead of overthinking about it, I could have reached a goal faster or had less anxiety or reach peace faster. So for the disease of overthinking, I'll start with you, Katie. Do you have any meditations for me? Uh, I mean, hundreds at this point, (laughs) I've got hundreds of, I actually have an entire podcast called meditation for anxiety and a lot of the overwhelm, uh, overthinking brain spinning in a thousand miles a minute. That's that tends to be there, but they're all, they're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of meditations there, which is one of the tools that can help that. But yeah, yeah, I, I definitely suffer from that too. I think, I think so many of us who just have a lot going on in life, um, can can definitely get there. Like we just get so ingrained in our in our mind and our thoughts and it's going in a thousand different directions and it's heavy. It takes a lot of your energy, that indecision, fatigue, and the fact that you're overthinking and can't make a decision, I'm speaking for myself, exhausts me. Yeah. And then it prolongs the decision being made when the thing could have been done and done over with by now. Yeah. They have a decision fatigue. Fatigue is really big um, for not indecision fatigue, but decision fatigue is really big in motherhood because typically moms are making a gazillion decisions in any given day. What are we having for dinner? Who likes what? Um, What did so-and-so get their ABC five things that they needed to get out the door before school? What doctor's appointments do we have coming up? I mean, like a gazillion things are happening and there needs to be decisions made about all of these things in order to keep life moving. And that that decision fatigue thing is real. I mean, it's energy that's just constantly like bursting out. Yeah. So, well, I listened to your podcast. I already knew the answer when I asked you that question. Do you have meditations (laughs) for me? So I would say one of my tools is certainly meditation, but what do you guys do when you're in that mom mode and you're having to do that? Like, how do you get calm? How do you get clear? How about you, Ashley? What do you do? I try really hard to do two things. Stop and take a deep breath before I react, respond, make a decision, take a deep breath. And also, and this is, this was not the case when my kids were young. I did not have this skill. I've developed it, really worked on it over time. And that is to be where my feet are, to be right there with them. The older my children get, they're now 12 and 13, the more I realize how fleeting this time is. And so if I'm with them thinking about Uh, what I want to do on the podcast or how I want to help a particular client. I'm not with them. 
and I'm not serving anybody. And so I find that if I can just be right there with them, it takes some of the anxiety out of the way, some of the anxiety of thinking about a hundred different things at one time. That's mindfulness. Yeah. I think in any given moment of like a breakdown that, that I would call it, whether that's with and around kids, because that absolutely happens, or without kids around, like that moment of just intense anxiety, emotion, the world kind of feels like it's falling down. I think my emergency hatch is like, go be alone. Like I need to be alone. I need to be out in nature. Typically, I need to have my usually my feet connected to the ground. Not always, but like I need I need air. I need to breathe the air and just take some deep breaths. And in that, in that moment, what typically will end up happening, it sometimes happens pretty slowly is in being connected to, to nature, I can sort of just have little moments of seeing, oh, I'm a part of this big thing. Oh, that whatever the hell just pissed me off right then or got me all worked up or feels insurmountable. You know, in this big picture, I'm watching the clouds kind of go by and I'm realizing like, oh, I'm on this big thing called Earth. It's a lot bigger than me. Like I sort of have this awareness that I'm simultaneously such this special, unique being that, you know, has never existed. Like th this is where I am right now. And simultaneously, I'm just part of this large, massive universe. So there's a humbling effect to that. And um, almost exactly metaphorically, what Ashley was talking about, my I get grounded. Like I get very like clear that, okay, like vantage point changes. Like everything's okay. I'm going to be okay. It doesn't mean that that like, oh, yay, I'm done. I'm done with that moment. Pass. <laughs> I'm good. I've graduated. But it means that it just at least softens me and gets me off that edge of like intense, no out kind of feeling. I think that it's so easy. We are in a hustle and grind culture. And what you just said is if I'm in the middle of it, I will take a break. And sometimes just that little pause of being out in nature or stepping away from the situation instead of trying to push through, push through, push through, push through is what we need. It doesn't take long, but it is a reset. And Ashley, you're very big in nature as well, because I remember the summer, was it what? No, last year, two years ago, Ashley had to get her toes in the sand. That was what she had to do when we were at the beach house. And that is what refreshed your soul morning and night. And it wasn't optional. It wasn't play. It was required for I believe your personal mental health and reset. And she goes out and she writes on the beach and it's just like so beautiful to watch, but she really needs it. It really restores her soul. I've seen it. Sunrise and sunset. And I can grind in the middle. I can get done yeah. what I need to do. But if I've got those bookends to my day, then it really sets the tone. It starts my day out and it gives a real clear ending to the day of, okay, now I'm going to stop and take some time for me to reflect on the day. Um, I wish I were better about that in Atlanta, but when I am down at the beach, it is so restorative. Yeah. And I, I witnessed that. And I remember thinking like, I like doing this and I would go with you sometimes and I liked it, but it wasn't my, like what I needed for my mental health reset. And so I remember I came to Nashville and I was like, what's my version of toes in the sand? I think it's actually imperative for us 
to answer that question because most people I don't believe, including myself included, scheduling that into their life the way I saw Ashley do it and not in a regimented way, but in a required way that she knew this would give her new life. And I saw that and I was like, what is my version of toes in the sand? And I'm not saying that I have the question actually answered. I'm saying that's a question we need to ask ourselves and schedule it in. For some people, meditation, mindfulness, things like that. For some people, nature, activities, walking outside. For some people, spending time with people they love. For some people, being totally alone. I'm an introvert. I need my recharge. That's why I love working from home. But at the same time, working from home, you can get a little crazy and a little lonely. So going out and finding people. But then when I'm at my conferences and I'm all around people, I'm like, go and find silence. Go and listen to a Katie Kermitzos meditation, which I do every single time. Like I'm going to the room to meditate. I'm going to the room to nap. I'm going to take my meditation break. And that does reset me. It's like a when you, I've always wished that how you powered, whenever the MacBook Pro is acting up, it's just like, power it down, turn it back on. Same with the iPhone, power it down, turn it back on. It's like, what's our version of that? For me, it's mm. absolutely a nap and or meditation. I close my eyes and I may nap, I may stay awake, but the point is my eyes are closed, my I'm powered down. And I've been able to do it in 20 minutes sometimes, but I really need a good 45 minutes to an hour and I can be a new human, a new brand new. If you're having a bad day, go power down or go figure out your toes in the sand. That will change your day. I find for myself, if I keep pushing through one thing after thing after thing is going awry, it's not going to be a good day. I almost continue to take that frantic energy with me into every new activity. But if I can power down, and I know not everyone has an hour every day, but figure out what that is for you because you can change your entire day and then you don't have to go on into that harried, hurried, stressed out, overthinking, anxiety-ridden space for the rest of your day. That's, that's for me. I would say to figure out what your resistance is to powering down. When I finally got to the bottom of that, it helped me do it more readily. My resistance was when I was a kid, I was an only child. And a lot of times if I expressed frustration or um, exhaustion or anything like that, the answer from my family was suck it up, kid. That was the right. Suck it up, kid. Now, did it make me tough? Absolutely. I'm tough as nails. But did it make me resistant to self-care? Absolutely. And so once I was able to get to the bottom of that, it made the resistance a little bit less. Yeah. You're right. And another thing is people don't like to get quiet because it heightens the anxiety for a lot of people, or it makes us think about the things that we're in avoidance mode of all day, right? We're avoiding all the things we don't want to think about by keeping ourselves busy. That often happens. That's why I like guided meditations because at least I'm not getting quiet and totally silent. Someone like Katie is taking me through breathe and relax. And then she's painting a picture for me and there's music. And that is why I prefer guided. I'm not a silent meditator. I don't want to be alone with my thoughts either. I get it. Okay. (laughs) Let's be honest. That's why I need the music or somebody guiding me to take me there. So that's a really good point, Ash, like figure out what is the resistance and how you can get through that. So you can have that moment that you seek of peace. Here's one more. Let me see what you guys think about this. When we talk about mental health awareness month. 
I, probably like many folks out there, spent a number of years being completely unaware about the state of my mental health, having spent zero time understanding it to the extent that when I went to see a psychiatrist for some major help when I needed some real extra help, um, I couldn't describe how I felt. And she made me these flashcards um, that you might make for a child in therapy of I feel. And she had emojis on them with descriptive words. And for a while, I would use the cards in the moment to be like, okay, how do I feel? Because a lot of us um, are taught not to feel or not to express it, or maybe expressing how you feel is unsafe. And so mental health awareness, being actually aware of how you feel is a practice. It's a journey. It's a learned process. And so go gently with yourself on that. So I don't think that I personally grew up having any sense of taking care of my mental health. It just wasn't talked about. So you guys are such conscious mothers raising incredible families. How do you actually incorporate these types of conversations or how do you support your kids and in their own mental health? I would love some pointers for when it's my turn. Yeah, I think that uh, I would say most of what I'm teaching or how I'm teaching is done by modeling, you know, by making sure that my kids see mommy taking care of herself in all the ways. My kids see me work out. Working out is a huge part of my mental health routine. Like it is big. I re I it's I'm 44 now. I think I finally hit I finally have realized like, oh, I don't need like the body stuff that's all extra benefit. It's actually from my mind. Um, they see me, you know, take some time. They see that mommy gets a Saturday morning break while they have a daddy daughter date. They hear me and know that Katie, that mommy's going on a Katie retreat, which I do often, I think, um, you know, a couple times a year. So, um, sometimes with us, something, sometimes with my girls. Um, so, you know, they see and I speak it of like mommy needs mommy needs some time alone right now. Mommy, you know, um, but then I also let it be OK that whatever their feelings and emotions are like I've taught my kids since a very, very early age. I, I like they're allowed to feel whatever they feel because their feelings are valid. Right. So something as simple as my oldest might tell me. I need some alone time right now. Like she will say that, like, I just want to play alone and hear her little sister wants to play with her. So her little sister's upset and she'll just tell me straight up. I will see the situation for a second be like, just play with your little sister or she wants to play with you. And she'll look at me. She goes, mom, I just, I want to play by myself right now. And I'm like, okay, I got it. I understand that. And so I'll go and play with the little one while she goes and has her own playtime by herself. And that's, to me, that's her taking care of herself and listening to herself and what she wants. And then me being able to validate that that's okay. Um, I actually have this really beautiful video that uh, I captured years ago when Sedona, my oldest, was, um, oh my goodness, probably five. And my youngest, Savannah, was two. And Savannah was really, she was crying about something and she had crawled under the kitchen table because she was just crying and upset. And this is one of those like proud mommy moments. Like I'm seeing it reflected that I've done a, a decent job. Sedona, my oldest, crawled underneath the table with her and said, Savannah, it's okay that you're upset. 
you can cry. It's okay. It's okay that you're angry right now or upset right now. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. And her sister, you know, kicked her out of there and was like, get out of the table. But who cares? Like the point is (laughs) is that like, (laughs) like that's, that's how I teach them. I'm not talking about mental health. I'm not, those words never come out of my mouth. Like it's just about modeling mental health care for myself, i.e. just care for myself. Um, They see me and, and Chris, they see us fight and they see us make up. So like even just that, like Sedona, my, she's seven years old now. We were sitting at the dinner table a couple days ago and me and Chris were bickering about something. Right. And she's like, she stopped us and she's like, why are you guys, like, why do you have to bicker? And, you know, why do you have to do that? And I looked at her and I said, babe, this is part of how we work stuff out. We're, we're not always going to agree on things. And it's OK that we talk like this to work it out so we can resolve it. And, and that's okay. It looks like we're yelling and we're not liking each other, but that's not true. This is just how it sounds when we work something out. So like that, that's important for my kids to see that like that's all part of taking care of self, taking care of those you love. And th- this is all real and this is what it looks like. So I think my massive answer is I, I just, I let them see it and be it. And I allow them all of that, all of those things. I, the mom in me is loving that the human in me just loves that whether it's with our children or our friends or our family, just trying to sit with somebody else's emotions and letting them have it because it doesn't always feel good. If your child is upset with you or your friend points out that maybe you hurt their feelings or missed an appointment or, you know, something that mattered to them, like that doesn't always feel good And learning to sit with somebody in that moment. And you may not agree. You may not agree with the emotion they're experiencing and that's okay. Let them have it. Um, I just, yeah, I think letting somebody, including our children, who are not just children, they are humans. I mean, I, I try to remember all the time, there's not an authority position. Do, do we need guidelines? Do we need railings for the children? Absolutely. Safe boundaries within which to learn. But at the end of the day, they're having a human emotion, not a kid emotion. It should not be dismissed because otherwise we're only teaching them to ignore how they're feeling. And you got a whole lot of digging to do the way I did as an adult. Um, and so, yeah, creating a safe, safe space to express emotion. And then also something I really work on too, because I don't always get it right, man, I'm human too. And I get high emotionally and have a reaction. And sometimes I have to go back and apologize. I'm sorry for the way I just showed up (laughs) or did not show up for you, you know? Yeah. And for them to see that it's okay to make a mistake and it's okay to have feelings in a moment and then think, I could have handled that better and own it is important to me as well. I forgot to tell you, Katie, that yesterday I was on a shoot and I met a photographer and she was pregnant and her baby name was Sedona. Come on. That's only like the second or third one I've ever heard of. That's what she said. She said, as soon as I decided on this name, I started meeting other people who had newborns named Sedona. I was like, you know, names just come in waves. (laughs) They do, don't they? All these generational names. Yeah. so funny. 
Um, so tell Food Heals Nation the names of both of your two children and something sweet about them because I love them and I just want Food Heals Nation to get to hear about them as well. My children are Mackenzie and Parker. Mackenzie is my daughter and she loves volleyball and athletics and she's an incredible writer and thinker. She just kind of came into this world knowing who she is. Mm. And I don't ever want to take that away from her. Like she is an old soul and she sees the world from a, a lot of times she parents me. She's very mature, but also just an absolute joy, a great friend to people. I just, I think she's amazing. My Parker, he is 12 and he is a gift because he sees the world in his very own unique way and he is steadfast in it. Nobody's going to take him off of the way he views the world. He is an artist. He loves music. He's incredibly talented. He's wise. He's very silent. He's an observer. And you can see him just sort of taking the world in and you wonder how much he's actually taking in. And then out of the blue, he'll hit you with some Buddha-like wisdom and you want to pull the car over and write it down because it's just <laughs> such an observer of life and of humans. And and both of these children are such a gift to me. So beautiful. Yes. Oh, I love them so much. I remember when we went on the boat with Parker um, to see the dolphins and he was so quiet, but just, it was such a lovely day. Um, and then at the end of the day, he said that was the best day of his life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> You just I just thought never that was know. so sweet. You yeah. never know because he was so quiet and just watching and just observing. And um, I have to say about Mac Mackenzie, she's the best Britney Spears impersonator I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> truth, truth, mad skills there. <laughs> I mean, if she wanted a career in that, if she if volleyball doesn't work out, she's got a career in Britney Spears impersonating. No, they're both so sweet and so cute. Katie, how about you? So my Sedona is seven and she is a creative. She's incredibly expressive. She loves drawing. She's very athletic. Um, and she is, uh, she's very curious and also incredibly, um, she's a really phenomenal critical thinker. She will, she will hear different stories at different times and ask the questions why, where are the gaps? Like, and how come they're not connected? And she will catch things in movies that they did wrong. Like, oh, wasn't that rule applied last time? And then now in version two, then now it can automatically happen. Like what, what's going on there? That's so me. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. She loves singing and she has an incredible memory for lyrics, words, things like she just remembers. She'll hear a song once and remember it. Um, and she's just a fun, curious, artistic, interested kid, very social. Uh, she's like her dad in that, you know, she's never met a stranger, like everyone's like best friends. And, um, and, and then Savannah is four and Savannah is <laughs> this juggernaut of Savannah, uh, very much like she is, she's going through the world in her own way. Um, very, for she's very strong, like physically, she is like this ball of muscle and um, 
she is just lit up about everything. She loves animals. She rides horses a couple times a week. She's just, she's like this animal whisperer. Um, but she's, she's pretty introverted. She's definitely attached to mommy. She loves just, she wants to just make sure she sees what's going on first before she really jumps in. It takes her a while to, to really get into anything. And she's just kind of like taking it all in and just, and figuring it all out. And she's got this wicked sense of humor. I have literally like, we're, we're pretty funny family, but man, the (laughs) stuff that comes out of this kid, I'm like, what? Oh my God. Are you a, are you professional comedic or comedian? Like, come on. So they're just, they're both really fun and lively and just really, um, my biggest teachers really. Right. You know, on the point of mental health, Allie, you just gave, you know, you gave me and Katie a gift because you gave us an opportunity to talk about something that lights us up. And that's great for our mental health too. You know, so I know we're all you. smiling. Like I'm smiling because I'm thinking about Ashley's kids. I've gotten so many opportunities to hang out with them. I've gotten opportunities to hang out with your kids, Katie at Podfest, who I was going to say are mean dancers who can tear up a dance floor. <laughs> yes, like, they are with, with all the adults, and they have a blast. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm happy to facilitate a quick light up because you do both light up when you talk about your kids and your family. So absolutely. So that's a mental health tip. Have talk about someone that lights you up and then you light up and then maybe your worries go away for a hot minute. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <clears throat> Try it. Okay. So, um, for mental health, I think a big thing, and we've kind of mentioned this, but what people may not think about when they think about mental health is how improving your physical health contributes to our mental health. So I know what it is for me. Absolutely exercise. Cause you get the endorphin rush. Like it is the most natural, um, antidepressant in existence, the way that it, your body reacts is the same way that it reacts to antidepressants. It gets those brain cells firing. It's just so good for you. What are some other physical things that you guys incorporate? Um, I would say absolutely for me, it's nutrition. Um, when I feed my body, right, I feel better. I feel good. So that's why I'm doing my smoothies every day. Um, that's why I'm doing my juicing. That's why I'm always supplementing, like what do I need? Because we know supplements have such an effect on our health, our physical health, and also our mental health. And so what are some of you guys's, I know, Ashley, you love the IVs, you know, what are some of you guys's, you guys's, is that a word? Do I sound like a 12 year old? We're talking about kids. (laughs) I guess I'm channeling your kids here. What are some of your favorite physical things that you do to improve your mental health? I would say that I'm, in addition to some of the things we've talked about, obviously working out regularly, being outside, uh, I'm I'm aware of my space, like what rooms of the house make me feel good or where, like I'm, it's beautiful here in Florida right now. So I work outside most of the day. So like, I just, I mean, on this small little area of, you know, our outside space, like I will be outside and I, and that. I'm just aware physically how I feel in spaces. I don't want to be in my room if it's dirty. So I just won't be in there. Yeah. Um, You know, so um, that is a big one. Um, And then, you know, I guess this is sort of like physical slash mental, but um, just a couple of, of kind of boundary setting things is, I turn off most 90% of notifications on my phone. Like there are no, I do not receive notifications for social media. As a matter of fact, I actually only have two social media apps on my phone, only one of which I actually check regularly. 
Um, but like, I don't, I don't want to hear, I don't want email notifications on my phone. I don't want any. So there's like two notifications, like one that's coming from my team that doesn't happen a lot. That's very manageable for me. And then one is on my calendar because I'm, I'm in a series of my life, right? I don't have a lot of meetings. So when I do, I'm like, I need to be reminded multiple times. Right, right. <laughs> um, but that's it. And, you know, other than that, like there's really no that phone physically is sort of like, like sucking my, it's like the soul sucker, like it's sucking my energy and attention. And so I'm very um, conscious about like, what am I allowing it to, when have I, when am I allowing it to speak to me? I turn, you know, silent mode on quite a bit. Like I leave my phone, you know, a lot of times, like I'm not a person who always has my phone with me. I'm leaving it if we're going out and going for a walk with the kids. Like, um, so that's a really big thing, just being aware of the energy of the space and then, and making sure that my phone does not own me. Yes. My phone lives on do not disturb. If someone calls me, I have no idea unless they leave a voicemail and I happen to check it. I'm like, if you call me, you need to text me because my phone is on do not disturb because I can't handle those robocalls all day. When the phone rings, it gives me a burst of anxiety. Okay. That's why my phone doesn't ring unless I'm expecting your call or unless I have a call set up, but now everything's on zoom anyway. So why would you call me? Cause we know it's a zoom meeting or you text me to say, I need to talk on the phone. That's how today's society works. So don't you dare just give me a random call. No, of course oh gosh, it's you guys. I just, <laughs> I, only, I you're saying, like the only one that's allowed to call me, by the way. I, I'm old school. I want to just pick up the phone and call you the same way when I worked in an office. Don't send me an email when you are next door to me. I let's just walk next door and have a conversation. To me, it's so much quicker than text or email, but I'm really old fashioned that way. So forgive me if I just ever pick up the phone and call one of you. I'm just having a moment. There's like Um, five people in my life who are allowed to do that. And you're one of them. And we all know we got to text her before we call, right? I'm calling you now. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I know because I miss the calls because it's on do not disturb. (laughs) Yeah. And you're not the only friend in my life who's like, why, why are you calling me? Don't, don't. <laughs> no, but you guys light me up. So I'll talk on the phone with you anytime, but anything else? No, unless you're my good friend. No, you don't bother me. I am busy. I might be meditating or I might be working, but I am too busy for an unexpected phone call. That is anxiety 101, but that's just me. Everyone's different. So we know our boundaries. Just like Katie doesn't have Instagram on her phone. I've got a good um, physical one. Back to the physical exercise one. I, in my whole life, I've had peaks and valleys of exercise and fitness and all of that. But um, two that came to mind when Katie was talking earlier about working fitness into her routine for mental health, um, there is a point at which it would have been good for me to check myself before I wrecked myself, I, before having children, ran five marathons and, um, and I didn't just run them. Like I ran them for time and I was militant about it. And it really, uh, if you're a marathon runner and you've found your thing, like, yay, that's amazing for me. When I look back, I realized that I was literally breaking down my body. I was running, running, running to train, but I wasn't doing anything to support my body in that training. And the mental health question for me there coulda, shoulda, woulda been, what are you running from, Ashley? Mm-hmm. What What is this pain a substitute for the other pain you're feeling that you don't want to feel? And so if you're 
deeply embedded in a physical routine, sometimes it's worth taking a step back to say, okay, what am I doing here? Am I supporting my body in this? And am I, am I actually serving my mental health here? Or is there something I'm running from? That's one that came to mind. And another, a habit that I still have and build in whenever I can. When I first became a single mom and I had to drop my children off on Sunday mornings, I would come back to the apartment and just curl up in a little ball and be sad, which it didn't last long until I was like, okay, girl, what are we going to do to get glad? How are we going to turn this around and replace that moment with something that builds you and lifts you up? And for me, it was drop them off and go straight to Stone Mountain and go hiking and be out in nature and do something physical. And um, at the top of the mountain, engage in prayer and meditation and setting your plan for the week and how you want to show up. And that was very healing to me. So I would say, um, if you if you find yourself with a repeat pattern of tough moments and something triggers it, see what you can replace because that was very helpful to me. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I think with exercise for me, it's like if I feel like I have to do it, it's not worth doing. It's when I'm like I get to do it, then you're going to have a more joyful experience, and it's not about body shaming yourself into doing it or going, I have to do this because I have to stick to this type A routine. Instead, it's like, I get to do it because I know how good I feel afterwards. And now my current gym um, has a sauna and a steam room. So I know I get the reward. And then downstairs is the co-working space with my favorite coffee and juice and all this stuff. So for me, I now have a reward based in it. If I have to go sweat it out, sometimes it hurts, but I feel so good afterwards. I get to go get my juice. I can bring my laptop and work. It's a whole social experience. I got friends there, you know, and so that's changed it from when there was a time in my life. And this has been years, um, where it was, you have to go because this is part of your health and wellness routine. And it, and I was going to classes I didn't even like Yeah, to get some abs. I didn't even want. I'm going to join your gym. That sounds amazing. I know <laughs> you came, you, you came. It was so, oh, so yeah. House. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh yes. I loved it. Yeah. Or if you go at night, you could go eat one of our delicious. Remember they have the whole vegan menu. You yeah, guys everything there. So good. Wait, didn't we get the vegan chocolate mousse? Who did I get that with? It we was had a so vegan good. Caesar salad, which was to die oh, for. Yes. Oh, okay. That was amazing. I, Cause us, the three of us went, we sat in the back. That's right. And then Ashley, we went back with McKinsey and we got the vegan chocolate mousse. Yeah. We were there for a volleyball tournament. Yes. I have no life. I'm just a volleyball mom at, these, at this <laughs> <Volleyball> point. <mom. laughs> so yes, when you girls come back, I only thing is I can't take guests to the gym, but we can go eat and enjoy anytime. And the pool's open now because it's summer. Yay. Yay. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, um, in honor of a mental health awareness month, I would love it if you shared with me a time when things were real rough Maybe it was rock bottom. Maybe it was just a season, but how you got through it, because we've all been through some shit. I know you guys very well. I know some of the challenges that you have faced. I have, you have been with me during some of the darkest times in my life. So thank you. So first of all, thank you for your friendship because without friends, I wouldn't have gotten through the hardest times in my life. But if you have a story that you're open to sharing about really getting through a rough time and how you got through it. It doesn't mean it was easy and, hey, I had a tool and it just worked and it was a magic wand. It doesn't mean we have all the answers, but just sharing so everyone feels like, hey, she did it. Maybe I can do it too. Yeah. Um, I 
So I've had a lot of a lot of ups and downs, as, sure. I, as I know we all have. <laughs> yes. um, but one in particular that's jumping to mind is uh, when I was in my late 20s, I, uh, I developed an eating disorder, a pretty bad eating disorder. And my quote unquote rock bottom was this moment of realizing like this is completely taking over my life. Like I'm not present to my life right now. And it's really pathetic and, and dis- disturbing and painful. And I don't want this anymore. Yeah. So what did I do? Um, I, uh, I knew I immediately actually needed help. I, uh, I ended up going to a 12 step program mm-hmm. because there was some, that was the only thing I knew of that was some sort of like outside. I need some formal way to, to like get me out of this hole that I'm in. And I, I didn't actually go through all the 12 steps. Um, but I went through enough of the, of the steps to, really dig in deep to some of the shit that that you know was at the core of that eating disorder and just the horrible thoughts practices you know opinions of myself all that sort of stuff and so it and it and then on a practical level really did kind of the practical work of like learning nutrition that was actually kind of my first bout of like let me learn what food actually does in my body yeah. rather than trying to avoid it or or you know binge on it or or what have you like let me learn this relationship between food and my body so that was you know my late 20s um and really healed i mean a lot a lot healed and so fast forward you know i'm it's probably in my mid thirties where I finally am like, I'm good. Like I really, I'm good. I don't have any issue with this at all. I kind of know my boundaries around it. I have developed these, um, you know, coping mechanisms to, to handle this, you know, and I'm fine. So, um, so fast forward, I'm 44 now. I literally just had a conversation with a friend and I was telling her, dude, I, had a really interesting thing happened. I've I noticed it. This happened last week. This really, you know, I, I really wanted to get this thing done in my business and it blew up and it didn't happen. And mm-hmm. I don't need to go into all the details, but it was incredibly disappointing and it was my fault. It didn't, it was, you know, black and white. It was my fault that it did not come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And in, in this kind of self-shaming spiral, I went down t- like all of these old voices of mm-hmm. not liking my body. I need to control whatever food X, Y, Z what's wrong with me. All of that stuff started. I started hearing it again. And I literally was sort of this body outside of myself going, what in the world? Like I have not heard this stuff in almost 20 years. Like, right. what is this? Like, I cannot believe this. And thankfully one of my very dear friends um, is actually uh, she's phenomenal, but she um, she actually is a is a therapist, is a counselor for young girls with eating disorders. So we don't talk about that often. But I mean, we're kind of business cohorts and friends and moms together. But I happened to tell her this and I'm like, I can't believe this shit came up. And she told me she goes, it's usually indicative that some like that those voices came at that time means that there might be some other stuff that's been happening in life that is allowing those things. Those are foundational coping mechanisms that you learned at an early age. So like, Mm -hmm. it's okay that they came up, like, don't blame yourself for that. But it's indicative that there's some other kind of stuff that's going on. Anyway, so we ended up talking through this. And my point in all of this is, um, 
what I have gained out of all of this. I think if you ask me what my number one mental health awareness tool has been for that particular moment of my life or that particular issue of my life has been intense self-awareness, intense, real, raw, getting down to the nitty gritty of my, of who I am, my emotions, what, what is the truth of me in any given moment? Because that tool allows me to see all those thoughts as external from myself right? and will keep me from going down a really yucky and, and unnecessary path, right? That is totally not good for me. So that, that awareness of self allows me to observe those thoughts, to observe that voice that's going on, be like, WTF, what is, what is that? But then also honor it and allow it to really pass. So um, yeah, that was a really interesting sort of, oh, I thought I was done with that shit. And oh man, here it is again. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, there's this deep programming and I think we all have it. It's probably usually based in childhood or what we taught and what we assumed at the time that then becomes the program that runs through our head. And this is how we deal with this. This is how we deal with trauma. And that stays with us unless we break the pattern, we break the program. But it's so deep sometimes that when we feel threatened by a similar trauma, even though we've done the work, that shit comes back. Yeah. And I did a talk about this. I lead a class called healthy AF. And I did a talk about this recently and I was like, okay, so who is talking? Who is talking to me? It is the ego. What is the ego's job to protect me? Now, is it to my benefit or detriment to my detriment, keeping me small, keeping me in judgment, keeping me in scarcity, keeping me in fear. That is not who I am at my core. And so I gave him a name. It's Bob. I'm like, shut up, Bob. You're not welcome here. Bob, I'm going to give you a new job. Today, Bob, all you're allowed to say is encouraging, helpful, wonderful things about me. I don't want to hear all your judgments. I don't want to hear all your evil plans. I don't want to hear anything that is going to take me out of my capacity to be the best version of myself for myself and others. So shut up, Bob. Here's a new job, Bob. And like, we were laughing. Like we just, I made it up on the spot. It just came to I me. And I love like, that. Okay. No, and you're now work, Bob. To Bob. <laughs> Bob, you're out of a job. Shut up, Bob. Uh-uh. Because before <laughs> so I was approaching everything with so much love that it was almost like fake. And I'm just like, oh, I love every part of me. And I do, y'all. But I was like, I need someone to yell at sometimes. Yeah. So shut up, Bob. So that's my story <laughs> on top of your story. <laughs> that's great. I love it. Ash, you were there for Bob. I was there for Bob. You know, toxic positivity is a buzz phrase right yes. now. Yes. Yeah. And I have been accused in my professional life many years ago of being a Pollyanna. I am and such a Pollyanna. That's not a positive term, by the way. That's I know. just another word for toxic positivity. Um, <laughs> yep. And I really took it to heart because I'm like, no, actually I'm fully aware of all the things that could go wrong here. But if we focus on that and not a solution, then we've got a real problem. But it is worth knowing, like, am I falling into this trap of everything is sunshine and rainbows? Because the shit is not sunshine and rainbows all the time. It is not. We talked about this, Ash. What did we call it? 
I'm being positively delusional today with all of my <laughs> dreams and, and realizations that everything's going to be okay, even though the world is showing me it's not going to be okay. But also, if I didn't have that delusional positivity as a tool, I would probably be doing drugs in the street somewhere because of my effing trauma. Do you know what I mean? So it's a tool that works for me, but at the same time, it can be taken to an extreme with the toxic positivity. So it's like finding that balance and, and being that Pollyanna in such a way that still serves us, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it can be so hard in the moment. I know everybody listening, I I could give you stories, chapter and verse over the last 10 years of my journey. Um, Stick around. You'll probably hear them at some point, but the kind of moments that leave you breathless, sobbing, prostrate on the floor with the kind of physical pain that you think it's always going to be like this. There is no out. And I'm not being dramatic. I'm being really real about how deep the sadness and pain and fear and anxiety went. Um, And I remember this quote, I just pulled it up. It was by Maya Angelou, every storm runs out of rain. It Mm. does. Every storm runs out of rain eventually. And sometimes the only thing for me to do has been to hold on to that notion Mm -hmm. and to try to separate happiness from joy. You know, happiness is fleeting. Happiness is I'll be happy when this Mm, thing happens or this thing ends and then I'll be happy. Okay. But okay, like that's reality. That's how we're programmed. We're goal-oriented creatures. But the ability to s- distinguish between that and my joy in the moment, my joy in, oh my gosh, the blue angels just flew overhead while I was sitting on the beach. <laughs> or did you see the hydrangeas are blooming outside my place? Or, oh, my child just sent me a text to say, I love you. Or my dog just had a nightmare and had the cutest little puppy noises on the bed. You know, (laughs) yes, my dog sleep on the bed. Um, But, you know, just that ability to distinguish joy, even in the darkest moments and hold fast to that is, um, yeah, that's, that's where it lands for me, no matter what the issue is. And you have a really lovely morning practice that I would love for you to share as well. Um, Cause you always have, she always gets these light bulb ideas and writings that come to her. And when you share them, I'm like, I hope this is going to be in a book one day. Cause this is gold. Like I would um, love for you to share a little bit about that. Yeah. This is a relatively new practice for me for many years. What worked for me was write and burn. And if you've listened to the food heals podcast, I mean, that's where I got the idea way back I'm in the obsessed. day before we ever met yeah. in live and in person. <laughs> Um, I would write and burn. I would write all the things that were troubling me and I would burn them and pray them away. Actually set off a fire alarm in a hotel in DC because I was trying to burn. (laughs) And then I had to talk about you be like, okay, don't do this in a hotel room. Make sure you're at home. If you can't burn, you just rip it up into little pieces of paper and flush it down the toilet. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, it was a scene. But recently I've, because our practices evolve and change given where we are in life, one practice that worked for me then might not work for me now, but something that's working for me right now is words are 
the written word is something really dear to me and something I enjoy. And so I sit down to my laptop, probably, I'm not going to say I do it every day because that would be bullshit, but probably every third to fourth day, I will carve out some time or I just feel led to sit down at my laptop. No, I don't, I know pen to paper is very important, but for me, I write in a Google doc, dear guides, what would you have me know today? And then I just stop. And then the words flow onto the page. And I know that they're not words from me or my ego because words from me or my ego look like, hey, Ashley, you need to get following 10 things done today. Hey, Ashley, you know, it's really shitty that you didn't get back to whatever, didn't finish this task. Or, hey, Ashley, you need to be a little bit more mindful of your finding. Like, that's me and my ego. But when the word- That's Bob. Yeah, that's Bob. All right, shut up, Bob. Get out of here, Bob. Get another Bob. Bob. But when (laughs) when the words that are flowing onto the page are full of love, and I'm not making this up, the words that flow onto the page address me as dear one or beloved or beautiful child of light. And these words are not from me, but they are um, so beautiful and so kind and so loving. And they do show me and tell me what I need to know. So no matter your faith persuasion or whatever it is, maybe it's your inner voice. Maybe it is your guides. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's spirit. Maybe it's whatever you want to call it. Tune in, give that entity, that thing, that beautiful light, a chance to speak to and through you and then sit with it. That's, that's helped so much lately. Yeah. And, um, the ones that you've been kind enough to share with me, cause sometimes you get messages and then you share them with me and I'm like, Oh, it just hits so hard. I'm like, that's a lesson for me too. So I just think it's such a beautiful practice that others can share in as well. So, and I think that's something that, Oh, we got it. Apollo. I think that's something Katie shares in her meditations as well. I think those words are by you and from you, but they're also through you. And that's what I love about your meditations. Thank you. And that's exactly, that's exactly it. It is like, just, just channel this stuff through me, you know? Yeah. Well, you always say that you wouldn't be able to write the meditations had you not been going through the thing that you're writing about. So it's taking all your life experiences and putting them into these beautiful poetry of meditations and helping another person with their issue at the time. And there's been so many that resonate with me. And it's like, if I didn't know you, I would still think you were my friend because I feel like we've gone through all the same things. How does she know my soul? How does she know that's what I needed to hear right now? Because they're universal, right? Like all of these emotions, these fears, these, the excitements, the ups and downs, the frustrations, like they're all universal, you know? So um, I'm glad you feel that way because that's exactly my intention. Well, thank you ladies for sharing um, your stories and some of your tools today. And um, if anyone's struggling with mental health, I'll put some uh, links in the uh, show notes for some resources. Um, But before we wrap up, Katie, you are celebrating a milestone. As of this recording, we haven't done the party yet, but by the time it comes out, we will have just gotten back from your 100 million download celebration party in Tampa. Tell us us a little bit more about um, Women's Meditation Network, what you're celebrating, why you're celebrating, and just a little bit more about what you do and where people can find you online. 
Yeah. So almost five years ago, I was pregnant with my second daughter and had an idea to start a meditation podcast for women. And back then in 2018, if you typed in women in meditation, one podcast existed. Mm -hmm. And I just felt incredibly inspired. Like I'm going to there's there are eyeballs and ears that that are looking and I need to be there. So I'm going to contribute here in a big way. Um, and so I started my very first podcast meditation for women. Fast forward as of the time of this recording, I have 14 podcasts. And um, it has been amazing to feel like I can do that on a mass scale. My my constant mantra to myself is I create high quality, high quantity meditations that really land into the soul of every person listening. Wow. Um, and so I feel this is a, an incredible milestone. Obviously, um, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's like a 0.01 or 0.001% of podcasters who reach this milestone. Yes, we so need I to feel, reach out to Rob Walsh and find I know, out what the <laughs> that I, is. I, I need so. to, I'll, by the time yeah. the party happens, I will know those stats. But um, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And it feels really good. And it feels, uh, I feel very proud that... Um, that what I have built not only impacts everyone on the other side, but impacts the internal team who works on it. I have uh, a really healthy team at this point who all puts their love and, um, and energy into every individual meditation. So it feels really good that like my business is this beautiful ecosystem that, that really like gives loves, gives love and, you know, shares love and creates love all in one. So, um, it's been pretty awesome. So yeah, if you want to listen, just, uh, you know, go to womensmeditationnetwork.com, but yeah, we are, um, this is only the beginning. That's kind of how I feel about it. Like, okay, let's, let's really go now. Let's really go. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love your mantra. You know, I'm a fan and I listen all the time. So thank you for the work that you do. And I can't wait for the party in Tampa. Ooh, me neither. That's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. All right, Ash, and you have your brand new show. Well, it's not brand new anymore. I keep saying that, but now it's been a couple months. So you have the Kick Ash Life podcast and you do your thoughts from the trek. What can people find when they listen to your show? So my show is really inspired or incentivized by you ladies whom I met in Italy, just as Katie was scrapping her entire business and starting a women's meditation podcast. She um, told us about it yes, on the hike. To the I did. I'm going to yes. give up this whole business I built. I'm going to do this over thing over here. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and to your credit, you guys were like, yeah, do it. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll tell you the type A corporate straight and narrow was kind of secretly like, you're doing yeah. what? And just, <laughs> just amazed by you, Katie, and all that you've built since that time. And Allie, who's had me on her podcast before, who got me used to this platform. And eventually it was just a passion project having watched other folks share. Podcasting is so intimate, right? Mm -hmm. it, it is. You're sharing your thoughts and you're putting it out to the world. It's so intimate. It's, it's not just a one-sided conversation. It, it's really an exchange with the audience. And the exchange that I want to have is one of love and compassion for ourselves. And this idea that life is messy, but beautiful at the same time. And so I share some of my own thoughts as well as interview folks who 
are just like you and me living and creating beautiful lives in the everyday moments. And um, yeah, that's what I want to share. It's such a good show. Everyone that started listening becomes your super fan right away. So yeah, she, she, she is such a, you're such a good storyteller and the way that you share stories, it's just so relatable and so beautifully done. So I'm just excited for more people to discover it. And maybe soon we'll be celebrating Ashes and Alleys, a hundred million download celebration. So Ooh, let's put let's that go, out there go. into the universe. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Bring it on. Let's do it. Oh my gosh, ladies. Well, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for coming on Food Heals today. Love you and appreciate you. Love you, you, ladies. Thank you. Love you guys. Now, do you see why I wanted to share that with you? I love those women so much. As always, here are the takeaways. I've got a list. So here we go. Number one, breathe deeply first, then react. Number two, be where your feet are. Be right there in that moment, not thinking of a hundred other things or places to be. Number three, get in nature. We all like just totally jammed on this. Get connected to the ground. Breathe the air. Reset. For me at the beach, it's setting my day, my schedule around sunrise and sunset. So we would ask you, what is your version of toes in the sand? Identify it and schedule it. Number four, Naps are glorious, says Allie, and I agree. When possible, for some of us, powering down is the very reset we need. Number five, determine what is your resistance to powering down. Get to the bottom of that, the the why uh, you're resisting powering down, and things will shift. Number six, It's mental health awareness, and it doesn't have to end in the month of May. Continually seek awareness of how you actually feel. Get curious about that. Man, I've struggled with that. I mean, that has been a journey for me. It's a real practice. It's a learned process. So go gently with yourself. But, you know, Katie's number one mental health tool, she said, is intense, real, raw self-awareness. Seeing thoughts as external from ourselves can halt a downward spiral. So honor the thoughts and then allow them to pass. Number seven, give people the gift of talking about things that matter to them. That shared experience, that generosity is so great for our mental health. Number eight, improving physical health improves mental health. I cannot tell you how many times this is wrong true for me. If I can get my physical health on the right track, everything else seems to fall into place. But as I noted, check yourself. Is there a chance that you're training so hard that the physical pain becomes a substitute for emotional pain that you don't want to feel? That was a big one for me. So am I supporting my body and serving my mental health or has it crossed a line? Number nine, Katie turns off notifications on her phone and she does not keep social media on the phone. Allie keeps her phone on do not disturb all the time. I do neither of these and I'm thinking maybe I need to work on that. Number 10, it's okay to talk back to your ego when it flares up. As Allie says, 
tell Bob to go get another job. Number 11, Maya Angelou said, every storm runs out of rain. Sometimes just holding fast to that notion is helpful when things look bleak. Number 12, make the decision to look on the bright side. Sometimes it's actually okay to be positively delusional. And number 13, last one, lucky number 13. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is fleeting. It's I'll be happy when I hit a certain goal. But joy is there even in the darkest moments. It's found in noticing the beautiful moments, the the small things that create light and love and laughter for us, even in tough times. So there you have it. Special thanks to Allie at the Food Heals Podcast for letting me repurpose this here. I, I just felt it was a conversation I really wanted to share. And a special congratulations to Katie for reaching a huge milestone of 100 million downloads for the Women's Meditation Podcast Network. And a special thanks to you for being here. You are pure sunshine to me. Before I go, just a quick reminder, if you're interested in joining a mastermind group, reach out, but do so quickly. I cannot think of anything that's been more beneficial to me in terms of untangling some pretty tricky stuff of business and life over the past few years, other than being in a mastermind group. It served me so much. And the whole idea is to bring together people from various walks of life, various businesses, various experiences, because those differences are what help us sort through ideas by accessing fresh perspectives and learning from one another. So if you're even the least bit interested, the slightest bit curious, send me a DM on Instagram at kickashlife or an email to ash at kickashlife.com and let's talk about it. All right. I am wishing you the very best week and stay tuned. I've got another solo thoughts from the trike episode coming shortly on finding your voice. It is full of some wild stories that I actually can't believe I'm telling you um, from my glory days as an attorney at a major law firm. There's a lot about those days that I can't tell you just in terms of confidentiality, but there are certainly some hilarious lessons from the things that I can share. So that's coming up next. Let's talk soon. And remember, only love today. I love you guys. 